Good morning and welcome to the Age Stage. My name is Paula Dunn and I'm here today with Brody Gazay. How are you, Brody? Look, I'm, I'm good. It's Easter and Easter holiday is just to, to starts tomorrow. So, yes, are you it does. Do, are you doing anything for Easter? Um, it's my birthday on Good Friday. Oh, it's not. It is. You were an Easter baby. Age at last. Oh, is, oh are you? <laughs> yes. Oh, you can retire. Well, but no, you can't. Technically, no. <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor would you want to. Nor no, I want wouldn't. To. I wouldn't want to. But oh, well, have a, I hope you have a, a, ter- a terrific birthday on, on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called. Yeah. It's not every Good Friday. No, no, no. Easter moves it moves just happens this time of year. Just moves around. You'll just get a lot of Easter eggs. Well, I hope not because I don't <laughs> like a lot of Easter eggs. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. What, we, we were going away, but I think it's been cancelled. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, not sure. But uh, anyway, mm. yes. stuff to do around the house. Yes. It's one of those times, yeah. isn't it? And the it weather is. doesn't look like it's going to be too bad either. No. Autumn's okay. lovely. We love autumn. We Show today. So today we're going to be talking about um, the difficulties or the challenges, perhaps, of um, you know uh, retirement villages. And right in terms in, in terms of sort of cost building, investment, yes, government all, problems, and all, all of regulation. It is yes. a it is a hugely yeah. regulated market. It is. And, it is. Uh, it must be an awful challenge for the chaps who run them. Well, I yeah yeah. I mean, if 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 you're going to have Big Brother really. Watching every dot, you know, and mm. every cross of every T. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I probably wouldn't do it, but then I'm not that clever. No, I don't. Leave it to I the could. smart ones, I see. Yes, and people that can be told what to do, really. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> not us. And then after them, what have we got? And then we've got, we're talking to, we've got a couple of really interesting guests. Uh, we're talking to uh, Lucinda Hancock from, she's the CEO of Nutrition Australia. And she's going to be talking to us about what we should and shouldn't eat. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's a real worry. At yeah. Easter? Can you believe that? Mm. And, um, and then we're going to be talking to Simon Curran. And Simon is a Senior Manager and Business Development uh, Manager of Relationships Victoria Australia. That's right up your alley. It is. Mm. Excellent. So it'll be well, interesting to talk to Simon. Yes. In the meantime... Welcome back to the Age Stage, and with us today we have Peter Nilsson from the Village Glen. Welcome, Peter. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Matt. It is. And Stuart from the Village Baxter. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Brody. Good morning. I didn't have time to ask you last week. Um, Did you forget it? Mm, He did. No, no, I didn't. Oh, you brought it in. Remember, you remember you came (laughs) in at the the twenty third hour. Because I brought, I I know, but I I brought the bottle opener. Oh, of course. There was that promise. You did promise. I'm sure we got it recorded somewhere. It's in the middle of the car. (laughs) (laughs) We've got it on podcast. Yes, we do. Yes, I can play it. I was trying to think. What what is the female of chaps? What is the female? The female of chap- is a chapettes. <laughs> you know, when you said you, you yes, know, the chaps running villages, chaps. I'm thinking. Yes, that's very English, isn't it? it actually, is. yes. Well, it could well, be a bit sexist, really. Yeah, right. that's why. That's why I was looking for the feminine. There's a chap, chap and chapettes. Or... It could be a chapette. <laughs> Chapster? <laughs> no. Stupid. Chaps are worn by cowboys, aren't they? No. Yes, they are. They're, there's they're over trouser ch- things. Yeah. For they are. No, but they're, they're not called chaps, are they? Well, yeah. I think oh, they are. Okay. Well, Brody's always telling me chaps. how ocker I am. <laughs> I've never. Yes, you have. Never. You're, you're very Australian, he says well, to me. You are. So I thought I'd be a bit English and go chaps. 
it's rubbing off. I'm awfully sorry. I'm, I'm a disease. Lovely to see you again, Peter. Uh, and, Apologies uh, for last week. No, yes. not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Mm. Not at all. You're a very busy folk, and mm. clearly the 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 event was uh, a good. Uh, a, a good previous event, which is mm. the main thing. Probably lunch at a winery. Probably. Probably. You know, mm. or, or breakfast. But this week, it's, and- we had yes. a bit of fun last week because we were talking about all the good stuff. But at this open week, day. yeah. Mm. But this week, we've got some serious stuff to we talk have, into. Him yeah, with. some mm. challenges so mm. that you people face. The, well, yeah, well, so Stuart and I thought we'd put on the table um, last night again. Uh, in the electronic media, there was an article on, I think, a current affair about aged care and, and what's wrong with it. Another down, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stuart and I have been discussing for some time, but Stuart's been driving it, that maybe there's another model. Um, maybe the model that we've got Australia-wide needs to be looked at. So right. we thought we'd have that discussion Let's today. Let's explore it, absolutely. Yeah. So where would you start? Legislation? Well, well, I think you would start that uh, we are, as you said at the introduction, a very regulated marketplace, and clearly regulation is required um, to protect people, basically. Mm-hmm. However, it can stifle innovation, and I'm thinking, Stuart, that's what's happening in Australia. I mean, the nursing homes have come a long way in the last so 30 and 40 years. Nursing homes used to look bit like hospitals with four bed wards and bathrooms mm. down the corridor um, and we've come a long way from there but we maybe we've gone too far from there because everyone's building 24 square metre uh, bedrooms including en suite including en suite yes. they all look the same um, some are tricked up a bit like tea tree but in essence we've all got a very similar model similar staffing models so um there isn't a lot of room for innovation. So are we talking about the nursing home component of a retirement village? Yes. 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 Residential yes. aged care. Okay. Yes. We're talking about so the, the, those of that's our where clients seems who to be, can no longer live independently. Yeah. Mm. People get confused with yeah, they do. the terms, as yeah. we've talked about lots of times. Yes, yes. certainly. It's, retirement living is for independent people. Mm-hmm. Residential aged care, you, you must have a medical need to go into one. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting that... Hmm. Uh, they, residential aged care used to be for people with social needs as, as well as medical needs. Mm. Now it is purely medical needs. So it's interesting when you consider the journey where we've come from, from a medical type building yes. to a residential type building, but our clients have actually become medical. Mm. Yes. Uh, which is just a, an interesting little dichotomy mm. like, uh, in it. Like five years ago, or maybe a little bit longer, there was two forms of, um, in, of residential care. There was hostel care. Yes. And there was what we used to, we call nursing home care, and they've morphed into the one product. Now, the village Glen has had both on the site since day one, basically. And talking to the managers of the hostel, which is now part of Tea Tree, um, residents could stay there for between five and eight years, um, uh, or longer, or longer. Um, What's happening now, residents uh, are staying at home longer with home care, etc. And the average length of stay of someone now in a nursing home is around about 18 months. Mm. So clearly they're coming in uh, with a lot more complicated health issues. And later. And a lot, and and later, later. Yeah. And a lot yeah. more needs. Yes. And, so. that, and that will be the continuation. Yeah. That, you know, aged care facilities 
will end up specialising for people who have really high level needs, mm. uh, be it dementia, be it palliative care, or other really demanding tasks. You might need a syringe driver. You, you know, there's, yeah. there's a whole range mm. of medical issues that. What's um, a syringe driver? Uh, to pump drugs into you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Right, got it. Now, now, look, as a non-nurse, which is a phrase I've used a couple of times already this morning, uh, as a non-nurse, that, that is my technical description for right. you. Okay. you right. know, so. Well, okay. I know when, when my dad was at Coppin, uh, up in Melbourne, there was a particular unit that was just for dementia patients. Yes. Um, that was a locked unit. And that's uh, typical of yes. most facilities. Mm. Yeah, being a secure mm. facility. Secure dementia. Mm. Secure because the, the residents who, who reside there uh, are, are at risk in the general community. Yes. Yeah. Now, you, you have a limitation on the size of a care room, don't you? No, we don't. Oh, don't you? I thought it was... No, no, but everyone's building about the same. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the cost for building an mm. aged care facility is somewhere between 200000 to 250000 per bed. Right. That is which, ridiculous. Which dictates that, okay, you can only build this sort of square footage mm. or square meterage mm. uh, in a building. That's simply the way of the world. Because once once you do it over your, your full infrastructure, so your dining rooms, your communal facilities... You know, commercial kitchen, commercial laundry. So by the time you've built all of those things, it averages out for a 60-bed place, or well, it doesn't matter the size place, actually, 90-bed, 120-bed, at around that 2, 250. You know, some have gone even a bit higher, but but call it 2 to 250,000 uh, per bed. Which is and a you've huge got investment in capital, but and just mm. as importantly, these are commercial buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas they are supposedly to be people's home. They're residential yeah. in nature, yes. but commercial in look. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we all look very similar. As Peter says, says, you know, you can certainly trick it up and make it look more elaborate. And, and Tea Tree is a great example of a building that is, has just got so many different features to it to say, wow, you know, this, mm. whereas Village Baxter, we would say, okay, we're, we're fairly humdrum. You know, we, we have nice facilities, but we don't go to that extra uh, mile that in looking at the building that, that certainly Tea Tree has done. Mm. And, so, and that's to their credit with a lot of good design elements. You've got, you, you do have the dim, it's, it's not just a bed. We, we, we need to get that clear in people's minds. You've got an oversized ensuite usually. Yes. Compared to normal, private. although not a yeah, yeah, private, private ensuite. Yeah. Although for a family ensuite, no, you know, it's not as if it's double bowls or anything. No. But it's a big shower mm. and usually an oversized toilet pan and, mm. and handholds and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's a given. Uh, and then you've got a bed and you and maybe you know a little chair uh, and a couple of and a wardrobe or something and and a, and a large television. So th- let's assume that was the primary requirement, but that doesn't actually define it. It's more about getting the equipment in and out and being able to service like lifting bodies out, you know, lifting mm. humans up and all that yes. sort of stuff. So when that comes into play, that, that starts to add to the, the demand. To, to, the, to the cost of the yeah. building mm. the, the overall fabric of it. So it's, it's not necessarily about comfort. It's about ser- the ability to serve. Okay. Yes. But, but if we're all building at that sort of cost, then it doesn't matter whether you're living on the peninsula or that you're living in Melbourne. Mm. The only variable is your land cost 
and then you need to charge a bond. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, it's so your yeah. ongoing cost, yeah. but your bond to recover the capital cost is dictated by ultimately your land cost. Yeah. Uh, in there, so so you know if you're going to build something in Frankston, then your bond will be, uh, well, Frankston and Lower Peninsula, could be anywhere from four hundred and fifty thousand through to eight hundred thousand. Fair, fair range. Fair, good range. Just yep. depending upon what time you built land. We have our land for the last 35 years. So, you know, clearly we, you know, well, we own our land. Yep. And, but if we were to start again and try and buy, uh, 80 acres of land, Peter as a valuer, you'd put that currently 80 acres of land would be 30 million. Oh, more. Would it? Yeah. Closer to a million dollars an acre. So, you know, that, that's a lot of cost to factor into the equation. And consider, so consider the, the dynamics of the industry currently. The government controls how much you can charge a person from a bond if you go beyond 450,000. So they have a say in that business equation. 500, sorry. I'm a, I'm a little outdated. So we set ours at 450. So if you go beyond 500,000, government want to have a say to approve your building as being able to charge that bond. And you know the, the crazy part about it? So government's got a little department set up called the Aged Care Financing Authority. Not once in their life have they rejected an application by a provider. Not once. Well. So you've got to ask... Why does this group of people exist? Exist, yeah. You know, mm. yes, they would say they provide scrutiny and they've asked questions, but at the end of the day, they have approved every application that's been made to them. So have they ever come out and had a look at what your I don't believe is? so, but I, I, mm. I don't want to malign them. I, I mm. don't know, Paula. Mm -hmm. so, uh, if you, so it is interesting. And at the same time... So there's marginal variability in terms of what you can charge for the the housing component, and government then set the same uh, criteria for all clients in with care needs. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're in living in Melbourne or if you're living at the back of Nanagoon, mm -hmm. your care costs are, will be the same regardless of the quality of service you might get. So if you and Peter had an opportunity to set the model as you would like it, what would that look like? I'd do a couple of things. And, you know, at the risk of being a heretic to, to the industry. But I would certainly separate accommodation from care. Government provides subsidy for to meet your medical needs, your care needs. No different, I've, I've said before on the show, no different to going to a doctor or to a surgeon to have your, your knee replaced. Government should set on a 1 to 10 scale the amount that they're going, they're going to be prepared to pay for each level of that care and have no role in accommodation other than for people of limited means because there has to be a safety net. Would and, you include, I know it sounds a bit weird, but would you, I, would you include food because of diet and all the other bits and pieces and special needs, with medical, or does that belong to hospitality? That belongs to hospitality. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Care is what... You, know, you don't need a qualified nursing environment 
to provide food. You know, you need a hotel service to provide food. Well, there it. is one element, right. which is the dietitian side. Yes. There yes. are so, people so, on special yeah. diets, yeah. Yes. Yeah. and there are professionals that assist us with that. But, but Stuart's right. It's a hotel-type service, right. and some. Um, I've got a similar view to Stuart. I mean, I'm thinking that the debate should be around, OK, the model we've got is getting constantly criticised by the media, um, sometimes correctly but most times not um let's change the model let's talk no not change the model let's have a debate yeah let's talk about let's it. talk about the model and is there a better way is there a better way separate the clinical from the hotel deregulate the market and let let people operators and developers and investors take the risk of knowing better and thinking they know what the market wants build it and then the government fund the clinical side and and the logical end of that game is deregulate the market so you don't need to have licensed beds to operate. But then would the fear be that, you know, not-so-great operators would be, you know, people would be vulnerable to those no, sorts of... there'd still be regulation. But the regulation would be more to do with the clinical side yes. of making sure people so, are safe. So um, consider that if Peter and I are starting out from scratch... And Peter decides he'll build the Taj Mahal, and I decide I'm going to build what's one of those dodgy hotels dancing killed away. Careful. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. you know, a but boarding house. So I'm going to build yeah, a boarding house. The old style boarding house. Jack's yeah. boarding house. Yeah, the yeah. old style boarding house, which is pretty rudimentary. I believe that I've got the right model. Peter believes he's got the right model. The market will determine whether Peter is right or I'm right. And there's probably a market for each of us mm -hmm. because not everyone has a sort of income level that's going to go into Peter's Taj Mahal. And equally, there are enough people to make certain that his business can, can survive and the, the balance of people who could come to me or someone in between. Mm. Yep. And so, so that's where the consumer will choose. Now, if I've made a bad decision... So the quality of care should be the same because that's being funded by the Commonwealth and regulations will, will cover that. But as to accommodation, say, if I have a place that's, that's not fit for purpose, then people won't come to me and I've, I've lost my money. And I'll, I'll draw the parallel to accommodation in the hotel market. Yes. You, can, you can go to a Formula One hotel, which is you know the, the bare bones, yep. $80 a night sort of thing, to the height, the park height, and pay five hundred dollars a night. Um, both businesses are thriving. They they pitch themselves at a certain market. Yeah, and that, that's a better villages, illustration. Mm. Retirement villages. There are some sensational retirement villages aiming pitching themselves at the top end of the market. There's some sensational retirement villages pitching themselves at a much lower level. Both of them offering great product, and and their operators both getting good returns on their investment. Yes, but, but when it but becomes but when it yeah. comes to care, yeah, and that's that, different. It's a paradigm shift, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely, and mm -hmm. and, uh, and I hear where you're coming from. I just, I, I, I still think that with uh, if you take the 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 medical side of things, is that the predeterminates that they would say like access cranes and, yep. and you know, emergency staff getting crash ca uh, carts in there, etc., yeah. etc., is that by the time they had had their 
there go, you're, you're, you're pretty much left with what colour curtains you can have and, and whether you're going to have a plasma TV mm. because you're still going to be around you know, dealing with those sorts of management issues even though they could be rare. Well, there's a new can... model in Queensland that I've been reading about where they've built these seven or eight houses of seven bedrooms in each house around a cluster and the people in the houses are all aged care clients funded under ACFI by the Commonwealth Government. But they in their houses are making their own meals under supervision so they're not eating in a big dining room they've they've deregulated one of the issues in my observation with residential care is by its very nature because of its design it's institutionalized yeah. and it has yes. to be it yeah. has to be mm. hotels aren't institutionalized you can have a meal in a hotel anytime you like mm. These, this model in Queensland is not institutionalised. So there's a kitchen, there's staff there, and the residents, if they feel like having breakfast at 10 o'clock in the morning, they have it at 10 o'clock in the morning because they've got their own kitchen. Clearly they're supervised. I don't know how it works when people have got any cognitive deficiencies, mm-hmm. dementia if you like. I don't know how that works, but on the example that I saw, um, it's an interesting model, and I, I'm not sure whether it's financially viable. What's the smallest number of beds you could have in a... To, to make something like that viable, could you have a place with seven beds and it would be viable, like a like a um, a childcare centre? Well, it could well be. I mean, one of the interesting things happening in the marketplace in an, in another sector is the NDIS, where there's mm. there's quite a bit of innovative work going on of providing community houses funded by NDIS for people who used to end up in nursing homes. Because there's nowhere else for them now. It'll be called Airbnb. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know what that stands for? No. Arrive. No, air, air, Arrive. Air bed death. and die. Yes, I was, oh, it's death I was going <laughs> to Arrive go. Arrive before death, death. yeah. Um, we've only got one minute to go, sir. Con- consider the problem with, say, having a seven-unit yep. um, facility, if you have one staff member on 24-7 yes. because people need supervision... Yeah, yeah. That's going to cost you the best part of to probably four hundred dollars a day yep. for staffing, maybe a bit more. Look, let's call it five hundred dollars yep. a day for staffing. Seven people are not going to be able to afford that, right? You okay. know, because yeah. you, you, there are the dynamics. Yep. Yeah, you know, just but just won't work. Mm. I'd like to carry on this conversation yes. because we'll look, look into that story yep. and see. Uh, get some back, uh, feedback on that, and uh, because they're, you know, it's the second time, it's the second time it's happened recently. So we should get into that. Thank you so, so much. D- for coming. Just before we go, can yep. we just give a plug to our regional seminar, which is occurring oh, yeah, Friday week? Who's going to it? Uh, uh, Richard Rosewarn, who is uh, a very renowned um, advocate in the aged care sector from. Is it University of Newcastle? I thought he was in Canberra, but... Canberra? Okay, look. Where is it being held? uh, At Frankston. At SAI. SAI. Which is what? Which is a community care provider. Right. Been in Frankston uh, and previously had aged care facilities. So it's um, free to it's attend. the new one, isn't it? It, it is free to attend. Yeah, the, the new one, Beach Street and Big Building is on yep. uh, on Beach Street. Mm-hmm. How do they book in, or what what do they have to do? It's for you know? providers on the peninsula. So all they need to do is is contact uh, probably Peter, myself, or Upali. Yes, at Si. At at Si, and 
and or else, uh, yeah, and so are the also RTO, so they train as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so a plug yeah. for them mm-hmm. uh, in the process. Terrific. So yeah, it'll, you know, you you will learn something at our seminar if you're a provider. Right. Yeah. Second one for the year. The first one was, if you remember, was Dr. Elizabeth yep. Lennon. Yeah. Yes. And this is the second one. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to it. It's. Friday week? Friday week. Friday week, mm-hmm. yeah. Terrific. Mm. Thank you so much for Good coming in. Good luck with that. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Paul. We Thanks, Brody. We'll uh, see you this time next week. Yep. Bye. Bye. And welcome back to the Age Stage. And, Brody, we have a really special guest with us uh, in a moment, uh, Lucinda Hancock. Are you there, Lucinda? Yes, I am. Thank Hello, you. Lucinda. How are you? Hi, Brody. Well, thank you. Terrific. <laughs> And Lucinda, we're going to be talking about nutrition, or you're going to be talking about nutrition. So what, yes. <laughs> what can you tell us? Uh, well, is there anything specific you'd like to know? Yeah. <laughs> for, well, particularly for older, older people. Older people. Yeah. Sure. Um, the, 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 I, we all know, I mean, even from my own personal experience, as people get older, they sort of eat less and less. And, and, and we always know that, you know, granny used to eat virtually nothing and, you know, a cup of soup at lunch. And, and as, as time goes on, they eat less and less and less. Yeah. We therefore assume that, that what they eat becomes more and more important. Yes, but you're absolutely correct. And uh, we know that from, you know, our taste buds start to diminish a little bit we get older so therefore you know food tends to seem a bit less palatable as well i mean other than a whole lot of other reasons why we eat less as we get older but um yeah making sure that every mouthful counts is really really important to to ensure that we are healthy so Um, for go on on, listen oh no i was just going to say it's really important to ensure then that we are eating from all the you know the food groups and sort of avoiding more of that discretionary foods or the junk foods that provide us with little nutrition. Mm. And, and what sort of nutrients are most important for older people? And when we say older people, we, what, how would you classify that? Is, um, well, I mean, when we look at the dietary guidelines, I suppose they're broken down into different age groups. So I'd mm-hmm. probably go with them. So, for example, there's, um, yeah, older people are in 51 to 70 bracket, and then there's also 70 plus. Mm-hmm. And that's because the, the nutritional needs are different at both those life stages. So, for example, you know, from about 50, you know, that's when women, you know, may start to go through menopause. So then there's obviously different requirements at that stage. So mm-hmm. additional calcium requirements. And really then from about, you know, 70, um, age of 70 onwards, there's a, you know, a need for men and women to have an increased amount of protein, um, really to ensure that, you know, they're um, putting on as much muscle mass as they can um, and, uh, you know, and also, you know, have some higher calcium requirements as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, um, is it true that uh, a generation, so, you know, uh, uh, my parents, they were meat and three veg because they that's all they were brought up on, so that, mm-hmm. that, that's what they stay with. Our generation, we've got much broader palate. We eat Italian and you know whatever else it might be. Uh, do we tend to stick with what we know? Is that how it works for seniors? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think generally. I mean, it depends on your circumstance. It depends, you know, how you know if you're living independently or, or not. Obviously, that makes a big difference in our food choices. Um, you know, I think. You know, again, it's challenging if you do tend to live by yourself. Um, I think it's hard for anyone, no matter what age they are, if they're by themselves, to, you know, cook a proper 
meal mm. every single night of the week and, mm. you know, organise the lunch. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there are a lot of considerations. There. Well, it's often difficult to, to portion it is. for yeah. seniors too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my recommendations would be where possible. I mean, if you enjoy cooking and you're able to, would be to make larger batches of food yeah. and then to portion it up and freeze it. Freeze it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously spaghetti bolognese is a really great example of that. And then you can add in, you know, a tin of lentils or something as well, which obviously helps with, you know, the increased protein, but also um, fibre as well, which is another requirement as you get older too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's something that can easily be um, portioned off and just reheated. What about those the, com- the commercial offerings in supermarkets? Uh, I suppose we have to name at least one, like Weight Watchers and things like that. Are they suitable? Uh, I would say no, but for the age group is what I'm referring yes. to. Because, again, you know, when we're talking about making every mouthful count, we certainly don't want to be putting anyone on any restrictive calorie-controlled calorie diet. I think it's important that, um, you know, there's enough um, protein, particularly, and also calcium-rich, so we certainly don't want to be restricting anything. Mm-hmm. What about Meals on Wheels type meals that are delivered? In? Yeah, and we've done a bit of work with Meals on Wheels before. Um, Do you consider yeah, those to be processed? No, no, because they're, I mean, well... Yes and no, mm. <laughs> I think is the question, answer to the question. It's a, it's a tricky one because obviously everything is um, developed in bulk. Mm. Um, yeah, and all food is, is processed to a, to a point. I suppose the question is more so around um, the discretionary foods, so more junk foods as opposed to a, you know, a, a meal um, which has been uh, yeah, pre-made. And in your experience, do you, do you notice many older Australians eating junk food? I don't really notice a lot of older Australians eating junk food. When I think of junk food, I think of you know yeah, McDonald's all the takeaway. and takeaway stuff. Yeah, yes. yeah traditionally no. Um, I'd be curious though with our um, you know generational change now mm, and yeah. the higher rates of overweight and obesity. Maybe um, people are starting to. I don't mm. know if there's been a great uptake to things like Uber Eats either. <laughs> oh. You know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see the kind of the generational shift. Mm. But um, you know, particularly if we're talking about the age group, I think it's just important to, if possible, make to steer away from discretionary food because, yeah, coming back to that point I was making about every mouthful counts. Mm. You know, it's fine, it's fine to have you know some chocolate or whatever, but. You know, you really want to be making sure that you get um, at the optimal nutrition with your mouthfuls, so, you know, to keep you happy and healthy for longer. And a lot of that is to do with with flavour because you lose your f- mm-hmm. your sense of flavour as you get older. I've noticed that. You tend to need more salt. Yes. In particular. <laughs> yes. Why is that? Why, I don't why know. It, it, it just, your taste buds diminish as you get older. So that, you're looking for the taste, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And salt is a flavour enhancer. Mm. Um, and I suppose the flip side of that is having too much salt mm. is also associated with, you know, hypertension and, yeah. um, you know, stroke. So it's important to maybe potentially experiment with other flavour enhancers yeah. or, you know, like additional herbs. Mm. Um, I think you know you can Curries, get like, chilies, yeah, yeah, exactly, and you can Brilliant. get um, salt reduced 
um, soy sauce, second mm. flavour a lot of dishes. So there's, you know, other, you know, other methods to, you know, increase the flavour. Should people um, supplement their eating habits and get into the regular habit of of taking vitamins or 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 uh, I don't know those those uh, eating supplement meals that that build your muscles or whatever else it might be is that a like protein, protein powders protein powders is, is that <laughs> um, yeah that's an interesting question now generally speaking if you are healthy um, you don't need to supplement right uh, really I mean if if you're eating the you know the dietary guidelines or the recommendations if you're having you know a couple of serves of uh, fruit a day and vegetables with your meals brainy bread you know lean meats and milk and yogurt and cheese etc you know you shouldn't need to supplement really supplementation can only be um really is only required when your body needs it if it's not getting enough Mm -hmm. um and so the first thing we recommend is to make sure that you're having the right right types of foods in the right amount Mm -hmm. Uh, to the point about protein powders again as a nation we tend to over consume in protein however in saying that uh, there is an increased demand over the age of 70 for more protein-rich foods. Um, but at that instance, I would be uh, wanting to discuss that with the GP or dietitian yes, before you, you know, embark on any supplementation because a lot of it is you know, a big waste of money and they're expensive. Yes, they are. Who, who, do you, who would you go to for um, nutritional advice? Did you just look up yellow, well, not the yellow pages anymore? Did you just Google, Google it or, or, um? Well, you can go directly to a dietitian mm-hmm. if you want to. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, to, to Google a dietitian in your local area. Or you could go and see, um, your GP as the first port And community health too. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, there's dietitians at all community health centres. Yep. Um, yep. And what's your opinion, uh, Lucinda, on, you know, eating? You hear some dietitians say, you know, eat six small meals a day as opposed to three main meals type thing or, or eat your Graze. dinner. Yeah, graze or eat your dinner at lunchtime and your, your lunch size portion at dinner time. What's your feelings about those sorts of? Yeah, I mean, comments? look, I would, as a general rule, um, you know, particularly if you are in that over 70 age bracket and you're, you're finding that you just, you know, don't want anything large at night, be, I would definitely be recommending that you opt for a larger lunch. Um, that, you know, again, that's probably when you feel like eating more and then you're obviously going to have a greater chance of getting in all the nutrients. Mm-hmm. Again, it's also not a bad idea to, to eat frequently throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, you know, after breakfast, you know, you have, you know, you can cheese and crackers for morning tea or afternoon tea or, you know, getting in those additional calories as a mm-hmm. snack is, it's just know, when it, and protein. It just gets dangerous when the evening turns into a cheese sandwich and a cup of soup. Well, in saying that, I mean, a cup of soup and a cheese sandwich yeah, still sounds pretty nutritious. Well, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking of the powdered cups of soup. Oh, right. of course. Mm. Yeah, of course. Salt. But, you know, if mm. you're having a nice hearty minestrone yes, mm. yes. um yeah you'd, you'd definitely be um doing well and have you noticed lucinda how as you know people age their palates change so much like i've noticed a lot of older people um they tend to eat a lot of sweets you know they may never have my father for instance he ne- he never ever ate ice cream or chocolate or anything like that but he absolutely devoured it in his 
late 80s, 90s. Yes. Uh, yes, definitely noticed that. And I think, again, that's due to, you know, the change in the, you know, or diminishing taste buds and, again, your palate changing over a period of time. Mm, mm. Yeah. It was very interesting. Well, thank you for coming on the program today, Lucinda. It's been really interesting talking to you and we hope to have you back again sometime. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. You're, but you're, you are with CS... Why Ret? No, what's it called? Cyret. Sorry, what's that? That your 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 organisation is that? Uh, no, that's you. Uh, oh, nu- Nutrition Australia. That's correct. Okay. Yes. So should people go to? Is there a website for Nutrition Australia? Yes, there is. Oh. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's uh, www.nutritionaustralia, which is all one word. Yep. Dot org. And can they can find about find out about all those nutrition elements there? Aspects. Uh, yes, there's fact sheets available. I mean, anyone's also very welcome to contact us directly. We have contact forms through our website. Um, yeah, more than happy to assist um, people in any way with their nutrition questions. Terrific. Good. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Thank you, Thank Lucinda. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to the Age Stage. And with us today, we have Simon Curran. Simon is a Senior Manager with Relationships Victoria. Welcome, Simon. Uh, hi. How are you? Very good. Happy to talk to you. This is, uh, I'm sorry, Simon, I should have introduced you. It's Paula. Uh, well, I'm not Paula, obviously, but she is. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it, this is pre-recorded, so it, it's um, Relationship Australia, Victoria. Right, got it. Okay, all right. So um, and what, what is your role at Rela- Relationships Victoria, Australia, Simon? Um, I'm, well, I'm a, a senior manager. I, I head up our um, seniors i.e. you know um, adapting our current services to meet the needs of an aging population and also developing and uh, new services and new resources mm-hmm. to meet those needs as well okay and what, what are you finding with uh, in, in the area of relationships with older Australians that are that are some of the challenges oh, it depends where you want to start really mm-hmm. um, uh, obviously uh, when people are, are in the early stages of retiring um, and uh, um, and are still sort of pretty active and well, nevertheless, retirement often requires a lot of adjustment. Mm. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. rely on their social connect- connection, their sense of purpose from work, and if they've heavily relied on that, they need to think of ways of uh, developing new social connections and relationships. Um, for couples... Um, a lot of couples really look forward to spending more time together, but when they start doing that, they start realising that maybe they don't quite have the same shared vision that they thought they had. So that can sometimes be a difficulty too. Yes, um, yes. Do, do, do you find that the depression and retirement is a common hand-in-hand activity? Uh, no, I would say, um, look, that the Interestingly, um, Australia does very well on international scale. So as people get older, uh, generally, um, compared to other OECD countries, um, Australia, Australians report better subjective well-being as they get older, even though their health is declining. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that um, a lot of older people don't find themselves becoming socially isolated, uh, a little bit adrift about, you know, what, 
what they what they want to do with their lives and mm-hmm. how they um, contribute society. And of course, when when you get um, an event like a sudden health crisis or even a financial crisis, that can really um, have a big impact on people's um, you know well-being and, and can have you know affect mood, whether that's Yeah, I I think it's really important for um, people who are considering retirement to and making that transition to really sort of look at a lot of things, ways that their life will be changing, so that that transition, you know, is a much easier one. You know, if somebody has really made their life their their work, their life. Um, and then all of a sudden they, they're not working anymore, they're going to be feeling not so great about themselves after a certain amount of time. Yeah, so finding, you know, purposeful activities that are genuinely meaningful or rewarding is, is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, adapting, you know, lifestyle to what you can afford can be a challenge for some people, and that creates some sometimes tensions in relationships. So, so good financial planning and and thinking about what you can do that's not necessarily, um, you know, cost an arm and a leg. Uh, yes. It's quite important. Mm. Um, people, you know, uh, people are much more um, online savvy. So, you know, you can do a lot by connecting with yeah. interest groups and people with like-minded interests online, and then that can lead on to, you know, other kinds of social connections. And you've got things like men's sheds and the yeah. like, which, which fill that gap. Yeah. Or in, um, in terms of time use, that is. Yeah. So, so yeah. So people are feeling as if you know having those finding out and being directed towards sort of activities or social groups. Um, you know, there's the University of the Third Age, which puts on lots of different activities in some areas. Local councils uh, support a lot of um, active aging and seniors um, um, groups. So there's, you know, there's a lot out there, and it's a question of just of kind of finding that and, mm. and talking to other people uh, about you know what they're involved in. And uh, so, how would people be led to to your organisation? You know, if somebody, if a couple, you know, uh, are, you know, both retired and they're you know they're finding it difficult financially, or even you know a dispute with the family. How would they necessarily find out about you? Would they be referred from a social worker, or? Yeah, well, it depends on the issue. So, um, look, um, you know, we, we run elder mediation, and there are other organisations that are doing that, and that, um, you know, that covers things where uh, things are going awry. So, for example. Um, Look, a common a common experience of where, where people are seeking help is so they've they've got into a some sort of financial arrangement with another family member. So it might be um, co-investing in a in a house, you know, like, you know, a granny flat or mm-hmm. uh, that kind of situation, and it's not been well planned. And then you might have a breakdown in the marriage of the child that they're living with, or other tensions arise that they didn't anticipate, and then the situation becomes really difficult and sometimes abusive, you know, to the older person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they start going, oh, you know, how do I get out? There's no, no way out. They've already committed money and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. some of it is like making sure that you do plan ahead and you get a good exit plan if you're entering those sorts of arrangements. Um, but the other then is to sort of get some help, a 
about how to sort it out further along the line, and, and sometimes we get that. Sometimes we get adult children who are worried about that another of the adult children of an older person has got a power of attorney and they feel they're misusing that in some way. Mm. Yes. So, you know, financially, sort of exploiting or manipulating, and, and so sometimes it might be we're actually, you know, uh, getting um, adult children, uh, siblings together to resolve differences as much as involving an older, older person. Mm-hmm. If, if, so if I was going to lend $50,000, $100,000 to my son, would, uh-huh. I, would I come to you first so that you, you, uh, you would assist in the, uh, the legal management of that? Would that be... No, we, we, no. We'd, probably, we'd probably, you know, we can talk through options, but we'd probably suggest that you get some financial Great. advice. Yeah, you know, okay. What's going, what's going to be the end? If it, uh, is it a loan? Is it a gift? Yeah. Will it, will it affect... Um, uh, Centrelink payments, yeah. you know, uh, all those things. So we just to get advice, but you know, sort of things we might. Uh, we are developing uh, kind of a, an advanced decision making support service, but we're just currently because we think there is a need for that, and we're just that's not yet on offer. But um, but sometimes these things have implications for other family members too. You know, so you're you're, you're lending to your son, but then. Um, that causes some resentment with your daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of, and if it's genuinely a loan to help them out in a difficult situation, what are they, what, how, you know, you need to probably formalize that so yeah. that uh, yeah. often there's a reluctance to go, oh, well, you know, we're family, let's just do it on trust and, you know. Um, but then that can, you know, further along the track. People can mm-hmm. then regret that. So. And so, um, you run workshops, do you, Simon? Yeah, we 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 um, we running uh, running a workshop on uh, for couples entering retirement. Oh, we, great! Um, uh, we're beginning and we're developing um, uh, preparing for retirement workshops for people in workplaces. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be offering that to workplaces again. Start thinking about these things. Yes. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, I, we have to cut you off there. With, with uh, one proviso, where, how can they get hold of you? Um, well, we Relations Australia, Victoria has a website, and that's probably the best. Yep. Um, and um, and there's also uh, a contact um, number. Oh, well, that's right. A relationship, uh, a relationship. Uh, Victoria Australia works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, thank you, Simon. Thanks for spending time with us today. Not at all. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Well, there we go. Yes, another show on over. Another show again. So we'd like to thank Lucinda Hancock of Nutrition Australia, and of course Simon, who we were just talking to, of Relationships Victoria Australia. See you next week. Bye.